The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Happy 2016. I feel like our little Christmas vacation really lasted a long time. I have missed you guys and missed having this weekly opportunity to check in with Jeff, our engineer out there at Unity Village, Missouri, and also talk with all the wonderful, wonderful guests that come on this program. I got to tell you, they they are coming fast and furious. We are scheduled into April already with incredible people. And if you would like a little preview of who's going to be coming up, just drop in at MainStreetVegan.net and uh, click on events. And we've got a listing not only of the places where I'll be out in the world speaking and various Main Street Vegan Academy courses coming up, but also what's going to be happening on this podcast and who we'll be talking to next. We actually had a a wonderful honor uh, already in 2016 for the Main Street Vegan Show, and that is that we have been included um, by the good people at ImmunoD, I believe that's what it's called. Oh my gosh, I'll check at the break and make sure I say them right. Uh, Vitamins, they have done a listing of their top 51 health and fitness podcasts on the entire World Wide Web, and we're there, along with some other wonderful vegan podcasts. Colleen Patrick Goudreau is listed. Juicing Radio is is listed. They're not 100% vegan necessarily, but they're a fabulous, fabulous podcast. So we're really happy to be there, and if you want to look at that whole listing, just go to tinyurl.com slash Healthy Pods. How's that? I made that up myself. I like that. Healthy Pods. Okay, we are going to have a show today that's healthy and beautiful and aspirational. And oh, you're just going to love these two women that you will be meeting after the first break. We'll be talking with Kimberly Wilson of Tranquility Du Jour. And right now, I'm going to be introducing you to a beautiful, charismatic, and absolutely divinely lovely woman, Isosa E, a.k.a. 
the raw girl. She's a vegan, natural beauty and detox expert, creator of the blog Raw Girl in a Toxic World. She's written several ebooks and detox plans, including The Acne-Free Diet, Parasites Be Gone, Raw Girl 7-Day Detox for Beauty, Weight Loss, and Rejuvenation. And the brand new one, if I'm getting all this right, Thrive on Veg. She can tell us about all these things. Isosa is also an award-winning actress, filmmaker, and model. Her personal health crises and battle with acne led her to change her lifestyle and begin her study of holistic health. So you can check her out at Raw Girl in a Toxic World, or you can just sit back or keep walking your dog or walking on the treadmill or driving your car or whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening and get to meet the beautiful Isosa E. Hi, Isosa. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be back doing this. I feel like this is the mothership. Whenever (laughs) I'm just sitting here at my computer and there's not a microphone, I just don't know what to do with myself. So, hi, you've been all over the world. Tell us what's been going on. I have. I, um, I've been out of the U.S. for half of the year, not intentionally. I left Los Angeles to go to Ghana to shoot the second um, season of the television series that I'm in, and then I got asked to go down to Cape Town with, um, and decided to go, and then kind of fell in love with it and then also just was so well received there and then just so I stayed much longer than planned um Cape Town sort of like or South Africa sort of kidnapped me in a little in a little ways um but it was a really really awesome journey and really interesting to be outside of the United States for so long um and it kind of you know it always gives you new perspective and um new appreciation for different things as well Absolutely fascinating. I wish I had known that you were in Cape Town because a lovely friend, she went through Main Street Vegan Academy, and she was actually one of the guests on our last show before Christmas break, lives just outside of Cape Town in a lovely um, beach community. So if you go back, let me know. She's three generations of vegans, her two young daughters, her mom. That's so cool. So tell us about the show. About um, the television series. Yeah, um, it's called An African City, and um, w- what we've been likened to is Sex in the City. It calls the African version of Sex in the City. Um, we're on season two. Season one is actually available for free on YouTube. It started out as a web series and then just got all this amazing, wonderful international buzz all over the place, and then... Um, now we're also on television networks, um, and then our our producer has decided to do a subscription-based model for Season 2. So Season 2 comes out January 24th, and it's going to be on a platform called VHX, and it's also going to be launching on February 1st on Ebony Life TV, which is on DSTV in Africa, English-speaking Africa, and then... We'll also be on Canal Plus, who are dubbed in French. It's very oh. interesting to watch to watch myself and hear a voice in French speaking over the uh, the trailer. But yeah. Oh, I can imagine. So you film in Ghana, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we film did- in Accra. And how did they find you for this? 
Well, actually, I mean, I auditioned just like anyone else. Um, I auditioned, the funny part is this, I mean, this has kind of been like years in the making. You know, everyone thinks everything is overnight. It really isn't. I believe I auditioned for the pilot um, in 2011, and um, I I think it was just one of those things where it was definitely meant to be because like like at least five people saw the the audition notice and emailed me like, this sounds like you. Um, because they knew I was into fashion, um, and and they just thought I would be right for it. So I went and auditioned just like anyone else, and then they offered me the role of Ngozi. That's the character that I play. And the cool part is the producer and I were at lunch, and I was doing my regular long-winded vegan order, and she um, was like, oh, my goodness, we should make your character vegetarian, not vegan because it might be too extreme for Africans, but she made my character vegetarian. So it's really cool because you get to see the struggle because it really is a struggle being vegetarian in Africa, depending mm-hmm. on where you are. I, I recall one of my favorite parts in Joe Cross's second film, Fat Sick and Nearly Dead 2, was yeah. a woman in Kenya who discovered juicing. Yeah, and, and just the real effort, but but the kind of soulful effort and inspired effort to get that message out in a place where it's pretty new. Yeah, so. it's very new in certain parts of in certain countries. Cape Town is actually, in my opinion, probably the easiest place to be vegan in Africa. Honestly, uh-huh. I was having a ball, but in Ghana, there actually is there are a few few. There's a lot of people doing really interesting things. I mean, there's a guy who started a vegetarian restaurant that's been there for 20 years. He was, like, the only one um, for a while. And there are a few, like, raw food chefs and different people. But the general population, even if you tell them they're vegetarian, they assume you mean you'll take fish with that. Right, right. (laughs) They have no idea. They have no idea. people, people are like that around the world. Yeah, it, it's it's still, I think we have the idea, because we know so many vegans in that, that everybody knows how we see things, but not necessarily. Right. So tell us about your your latest ebook. Yeah, so my latest book is called um, Got Veg, How to Thrive on a Plant-Based Diet, and it's, it's in ebook and print book form. Actually, people can also buy it in print book form via Amazon. And it's really one of those kind of like back-to-basics books, because I was writing about different things and um, having a, answering a lot of messages from people who read my blog or post on Facebook. And I noticed that a lot of people, you know, I was posting stuff about raw food and different things, but a lot of people had, like, very basic questions, like, what's the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan? Um, how am I going to do this? Um, will, I ha- will I get enough protein? Where can I get protein? Um, why should I do it? What's the best process of transitioning? Um, what kinds of things should I put in my kitchen? How can I make my food taste as good? And so I kind of try to answer all of those questions and do it in a way that's very simple so that if someone has no idea, at least they'll leave it being like, okay, I have some idea like where to start and what to do, and maybe also just be inspired to increase their intake of fruits and vegetables, even if they de- you know, decide that vegetarianism or a plant-based diet is not right for them. I see. So that's the one for which I wrote the foreword, right? Yes. Okay, because yes. it had a different name when I wrote the foreword, so I was a little bit confused. So okay. it's Got Veg. I love that. Somebody's got to compete with Got Milk. Yeah, it's- that's what it is for me because I did like these 
I'd had fun a couple years ago doing little my own Got Veg ads, and I decided it would be really great to just roll with that and, and, and encourage people because there's it's such a myth that has been perpetuated so deeply that um, you know that dairy milk and all that stuff is actually going to you know uh, make do a body good and and do be good for your bones when it's actually not the case, mm-hmm. and so. I really wanted to just kind of take that on and flip it. Okay. And it's a wonderful book. I mean, I remember uh, reading it before I wrote the foreword, actually learning some stuff. That's always really fun for me because after (laughs) all these years of doing this and saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Well, of course. Well, I could do that. I could apply that to my life. And this is certainly a book like that, Got Veg. How to Thrive on a Plant-Based Diet. And I love how you talk about the levels because I think sometimes people are intimidated. It's like, wow, I met a person yeah. who was macrobiotic and then I met a person who who was raw and then I met somebody who said she was a vegan but ate fish. You know, what do I do? <laughs> and so you yeah. really lay it out nicely. So where yeah. are you with the raw thing? I mean, you're raw, girl. Are you all raw? No, not all the time at all. Um, and I'm comfortable saying that, and I'm not going to, you know. I See, I have this thing, like, I mean, I was 100% raw for a couple years, and I started to feel, and I don't even know how I did it, because a lot of the time I was on the East Coast, and as you know, the weather in the winter gets really intense. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I've adopted uh, what you would call... I. I'm always about eating the best food available to me at the at the right time. I eat very high raw because I don't feel good if I don't eat a lot of raw food. Okay. Um, so you said high raw. I think we had a little static or something. Yes, oh. I did. High raw. So okay. I eat a lot of raw food, but I uh-huh. don't um I don't hold myself to being 100% raw, especially if I'm traveling or or I I just try to like do the best I can basically wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um and for me, that works. And also my body, I believe very much in Ayurveda. And, and my body also needs a lot of warming foods. Mm-hmm. And so I do do like, you know, broths and miso and different things, especially when I'm in cold environments. Um, so, yeah, I know I'm not 100% raw. I'm definitely very much um, an advocate for eating a lot of raw food and the benefits and it feels amazing when you're 100% raw. I mean, basically in the summer, that's basically how I can exist because when it's warm outside, it's super easy for me to be raw all the time. And that's actually how I love to be. But when I get cold, I'm just like, no. Yeah, no, and I completely relate. And I used to get really upset because there was a big dissonance in my head between everything I'd read about raw and what I'd yeah. experienced doing raw when I felt incredible Right. Then the Ayurvedic thing, because according to my Ayurvedic body type, I should eat pretty much all cooked food, and I should never travel. I should never leave home. Really? I travel all the time, and, you know... Wait a minute. Which type are you? I'm Vata. Vata Pitta, okay. but mostly Vata, and it's the Vata okay. that gets out of balance so easily. How about you? Okay. You look like a Vata. I'm Pitta Vata, I believe. Are you so I think, really? Yeah. So okay. it's mine's, I guess, flipped from yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you look like a Vata because you're tall and thin and all right. that stuff. But, yeah, how interesting. I think sometimes, I remember saying to my daughter once, when she was a teenager, and I think we sometimes disregard the wisdom of teenagers. You know, we're okay with the wisdom of babes. But she was very cool right. one day, and I said, 
My head wants to do raw, but my body seems to need some soup. She said, you're putting the food in your body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, I just, for me, it's really about food and eating is supposed to be a joyous, nourishing experience. And if you are agonizing about being 100% anything or, or if you feel like you're treating food like a religion, then that's not going to be well-received either. The energy of, I mean, we've, we've seen all of the scientific experiments, you know, even just like praying over water or whatever. If you go and eat something, that, uh, you know, that's considered something that you would consider not so great, but it's prayed over or it has great energy, and then if you go to another restaurant that's supposed to be super healthy and macrobiotic and vegan and whatever, and the energy of the people is horrible, you will consume that. You know, and so it's important to keep that in mind and not take things too seriously, I think, because I think people get a little freaked out and they're like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know. Oh, I, I believe you have just spoken some some vast truth there. In fact, I had that experience only day before yesterday. I was out in Sedona, Arizona for the first time. Have you been to Sedona? No, I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it. Well, so had I, and that's why I wanted to go. Okay. <laughs> it's a very strange and interesting place. Utterly gorgeous and beautiful. That's what I hear. You know, it gorgeous. supposedly has all these energy vortexes and all this stuff. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Siri did not work. Siri on really? the iPhone. I, I would put in an address, and she would want to send me to England. I was... <laughs> I was very disconcerted. The whole thing was was wow. really just a little bit psychically off putting. But I was on one of the main drags there, and I just noticed out my peripheral vision to the right a restaurant that said organic vegetarian. So mm-hmm. I went in there, and it, it's called Chocola, mm-hmm. and the food was healing. They had a lot of raw food. I happened to eat cooked food. I had a wonderful sort of soupy stew and then some kind of, they called it golden milk. It was like sprouted almond milk with turmeric and they heated that. And then I had some sort of dehydrated banana. I don't know. It was just from the first bite. I just knew I was being healed. Yeah. And that that isn't just that it's plant and organic. In my view, there's something else going on. Right. Right. Yeah, no, energy is important. And then it's also important for people to realize that at various stages of your life, your body may need different things. And it's really important to not be beholden to some idea that kind of keeps you from adapting because – you know, I don't know. I'm I'm at the place where I can really, I really listen to my body. I know what's going on. I know I I, I sometimes I get strange cravings for things, and I I know it's because I need a certain nutrient or whatever. Um, and when you get in that place, it's important to actually listen and mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. you know go with but that what, flow. What do you do with that when? Because there are a lot of people that say, "Oh, I felt a craving, and so you know, I went out and ate foie gras." Well, I don't know that it ever gets that. <laughs> But, I mean, right. to me, as an ethical vegan, I have yeah. to honor my body, but I also have to honor those beautiful souls who did not want to be killed. So what do you do with that? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean I'm on the same page as you. The, because I, I, I don't judge people and because I want to include 
anyone's choice as viable. I, I tend to not, you know, I never preach at people about these things. I feel the same way as you do, which is why I'm vegan. <laughs> but um, it's it's a tricky thing, I think. I think it's a tricky thing because I, I generally find that when I'm in the place of non-judgment, people are very much more likely to kind of hear my point of view and even consider something different than just being a meat eater. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, as far as, like, if I don't, I have not yet experienced a craving for fagua, chicken, or any sort of animal. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, like, the Daniel Fast is kind of the way that I hope to continue my life. But people have been like, what are you going to do if you get pregnant and you want chicken? And I'm like, I don't know. And I don't even know that I would want that because I've never, I haven't eaten chicken in, like, over 20 years. So how would mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? And, and you know, that's so interesting. And when you're pregnant is probably the last time that you'd want to put something like that in your body. In your body. So, and right. that's where the, the whole craving thing, I know there's one school of thought that if you crave something, it means you need it, end of story. But I have a theory that cravings are very often vestiges of lost loves. Mm. We crave something, from some kind of memory, Mm. Yeah. That can well, happen too, yeah. I think there's a very big distinction between the kind of, maybe there's a completely other word that I should be using, but the kind of craving that I, I'm talking about and then like the craving, like the general cravings we think of when it's like, oh my God, I really want ice cream or oh my God, I really want this. Like, I think that when you, I think that it's possible to get to a place, because for me, I don't, I mean, I don't crave, someone said, sent, sent me some message on Twitter and I was telling them, like, I've kind of gotten to the place where I actually don't crave unhealthy things, but I'll crave the healthy version of that thing. So it's like, if I want ice cream, I'm going to go get raw ice cream. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, that's just how it works. And for me, that's fine. And I actually derive pleasure from that. Right. Um, but I think that a lot of people have so many cravings that are based in being um, their body being overloaded with salt, sugar, white flour, all the the processed stuff that they can't even dif- differentiate where it's like my body wants this, but I just want sugar. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or my body, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of the reason why it's the whole thing about processed foods in general and why they're so dangerous is, you know, a lot of these foods are made in a lab, and these scientists sit around trying to figure out how to make people take another bite when they don't need to take another bite. And so yeah. you have these foods that kind of, like, trigger all of this desire and then don't offer any nutrition, and then people think they need, you know what I mean? They keep eating, they keep eating. So I think the majority of people have no idea what their body actually wants as far as, like, nutrition. I think most I- people are kind of like oh, I just want that taste. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they've shown that small children create a very balanced diet for themselves unless they've been given highly processed foods and then they're completely out of whack and don't know what they need. So very, very quickly in our last like minute, and I wish we had more time, we'll have to do this again sometime when you are on this continent. Um, you, You are known, I think, first in the health world as an acne expert. You cured your own acne. Can you just give us... I, I know you have this wonderful book, The Acne-Free Diet, so everybody, you can go online and order that. But just for anybody who might be having trouble with their skin, give yeah. us a minute, and then I'll let you go out and continue your adventures. 
Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing about acne is that um, to heal it is to change the way you think about it. Everyone thinks about something annoying to get rid of. I think about it as a warning sign. Like our our skin is our largest organ, and it's actually really cool because it's an organ that basically allows us to see when something's wrong, visibly, usually. And so on our face... Different parts of your face, if you're breaking out, also corresponds to organs. So it's very important to kind of get an idea of where you may be imbalanced and deal with the root cause. But for me, it was all about um, detoxification, um, getting rid of processed foods, especially while I was healing my skin, um, managing stress, which which just in general kind of makes everything difficult. Um, a really, there's a lot of really cool holistic treatments you can do for your skin cleaning your colon is like huge because a lot of times people don't realize they are constipated and their colon is backed up and that just comes out on your face um and so it's really important to clean your colon i recently went to the acupuncturist and i actually highly recommend acupuncture for anyone who's struggling especially with like really really horrible acne just because it is so amazing for balancing your organs and the whole, you know, your chi energy, all that stuff. And a lot of times when you have a lot of acne, it's due to a really major imbalance. So it's a combination of things, obviously, but it's super possible if you think about it as let me deal with this problem from the, uh, from the inside out instead of the way that most people tell you to deal with it, which is put a whole bunch of things on your skin, take these hormones, et cetera, et cetera, and you'll be fine. You know, and for mm-hmm. me, it was about how can I heal myself and not have to deal with this again in like, you know, in a major way. And so, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, that book is The Acne-Free Diet. The new yeah. one is Got Veg, How to Thrive on a Plant-Based Diet from Isosae. You can find her at com and also at Raw Girl Toxic World. We'll put all this on the show notes. Isosa, God bless you. And if you get up to New York City, let me know. We'll go of drink something green. Of course. God bless <laughs> okay. you too. Thank you Take so much, care. Victoria. God bless. Bye. And everybody else, thank you. Stay with us. We're going to be back with the lovely, the stylish, the yogic, and the compassionate Kimberly Wilson, Tranquility Du Jour, right after this. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey 
toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. Such a pleasure to have you with us. I love women like Kimberly Wilson. We all know the phrase Renaissance man. Well, I'm here to tell you that there are some amazing Renaissance women in this world, and you are about to meet one of them. Kimberly is a DC-based writer, therapist, designer of the eco-friendly Tranquility lifestyle line, and that's Q-U-I-L-I. Capital T, Tranquility, and the founder of Tranquil Space, named among the top 25 yoga studios in the world. I mean, the whole world. And I've been there, and I've experienced it, and I certainly agree with that ranking. Kimberly dreams of Paris and global animal welfare. You'll often find her sipping fragrant tea, practicing yoga on a leopard print mat, or leading retreats around the world. And I've attended at least one of her many retreats. Quite wonderful. I'm very honored also that um, she came to Main Street Vegan Academy and and uh, that's quite an honor. Bless you, Kimberly, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a joy. And you're also a podcaster. And, and I, I've been on your podcast. Yes, a few times. And believe yeah. it or not, it's like we started our podcast back in 05. So like back in the kind of a heyday of when it all began. So Good heavens. like 11 years now. I don't think I even knew. I was just telling uh, Danielle, my assistant, when I was out in Sedona, I met Eric Marcus, and for many vegans, that's a familiar name, because he has the website vegan.com. And I said to him, Eric, you must have been the first person online after Al Gore. And he said, oh, no, I wasn't that early. I got that in mm, 1998. It's like, who knew about the internet back then? So that's cool that you were podcasting way 11 or so years ago. So that is, and what is the podcast called? Because I don't think we had that in the intro. Tranquility Du Jour. Oh, and and that's also your your fabulous best-selling book, Tranquility Du Jour. So... You do so much stuff. I love the whole renaissance thing. But the other side to being a person with many interests is somebody who's juggling many balls. And yet you have this wonderful calm about you. How do you do it all? 
<laughs> well, you know, it's um, one of my favorite things to remind people is to never judge your insides by another person's outsides, right? So we share all of our fabulous meals and our fabulous life and what have you online. But of course, inside, we're all struggling with the same things. So I like to think of it really as this ongoing journey. And I the good thing is, is I've been able to make each of my passions something that I bring to the world as some sort of creative endeavor. And so that really is what has helped me over the years to develop this way to stay connected to my passions. And yet, ideally, with this underlying tone of tranquility while juggling multiple things. So self-care is critical. And you know, one other thing that really brings me great joy is time with the animals. Mm. So were we talking companion animals or rescued farmed animals? Where are you finding all these creatures? Well, you know, the thing that just it makes me so excited, which is kind of funny, is pigs. Pigs are like my favorite. So, so, yeah, rescued farm animals. And, of course, my you know companion animal, our little rescued pug, is amazing. But there's just something about being around the sense of unconditional love or this unconditional, like, regard that is really, really fulfilling. Oh, I find that too. And the pig, oh my goodness, sometimes I think God outdid himself when he designed the pig face. <laughs> I, and the eyelashes. I mean, it's like ridiculous. It really oh, is. but then when you're doing the eyelash Olympics, you've got to bring in the cows and the calves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so I, I know that you're a great supporter of Pigs a Sanctuary in West Virginia. That was the first sanctuary I ever visited. Are you still involved with them? A bit, a bit, yes. Because I, I know you were part of hosting a wonderful event there in, in D.C. for them a couple of years ago. I do have such a soft spot in my heart for the small sanctuaries because I know the big ones do great good work as well, obviously. But some of the little ones aren't so well known, and I love to help kind of get the word out about them. So how old were you when you became passionate about animals? You know, it's funny, my grandparents had, I'm from Oklahoma, the the exciting world of Oklahoma, and my parents had cows and a farm, my grandparents did, and so I would go out on weekends, and, you know, I didn't really understand the whole thing that a cow became a hamburger or, you know, anything along those lines, like I was young, this is grade school, and I remember I'd go sit on the fence, and I would talk to the cows, and I would tell the cows, I literally, I made up these stories called super cow stories, and about like, these <laughs> superhero cows, you know, and they would just eat their cud, and you know, kind of like meander along, but it was funny, so that's really when it started, and then I began, we would find turtles kind of on highways or whatever, little baby turtles, and so they became my pets, and I fell in love with turtles, and then it was monkeys, in college where I even got a membership to the Oklahoma City Zoo so I could go and just like hang out with the apes and now it's pigs so it's been this interesting evolution of like obsession with a certain type of animal that I just like can't get enough of Mm. and when did the veganism enter in and how Yeah, so it's been an ongoing kind of integral step. I'll tell you, whenever I first started teaching yoga at my living room back in 1999, I remember talking to some of the students and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to try this vegetarian thing. And um, they were like, yeah, it's really great. You should. And so I remember it was Thanksgiving 2000. And I was like, 
this is it, no more. And it was this interesting kind of evolution over the years. And then I went to the Jiva Mukti yoga teacher training in 2007 and saw Meet Your Meat and all sorts of things. And that's actually when I adopted my first pig, JD, from Farm Sanctuary. And really, as you could say from there, it's been like the rest is history. Like I'm just really, really obsessed kind of with the animals and really doing all I can to help people see like there's so many wonderful things that you can do on an integral like level you know starting with meatless Mondays or vegan before six um because I think for a lot of people it's tricky to just be going cold turkey on anything at any time kind of like you were talking about with the earlier guest right about even going raw you know it's like sometimes that people uh have to figure out ways to how is it going to fit into their life and their culture and things along those lines? Mm-hmm. So definitely integral. Well, you have such a wonderful way about you. I'm sure you could convince people of things that other people would have a hard time doing. <laughs> so how do you take the, I mean, you do have this wonderful, wonderful love for, for animals and it seems so easygoing and almost childlike, almost like you're still a little girl when you're around animals. How do you infuse that into your work? Well, you know, I love the comment you just made about being able to convince people, you know, because the thing about it is, is really, it's just sometimes it's just showing data. It can be showing like the emotion behind the animals. And, you know, one of the things I did this year is I incorporated Meatless Mondays, an idea into my planner that I produce. It's the Tranquility Du Jour Daybook, and it's just this really kind of sweet uh, planner that's filled with all these checklists on, you know, how to have a more tranquil life from your day to your week to your month to your year and one of the things I included was meatless Monday and then talked about how benefit is and how many animals you save just by taking them off your plate one day a week and so that is you know an example of helping to infuse it to a population that may not have really been exposed to this and then definitely also um I do these like special teas, t-shirts, like these really sweet teas that we sell even at Tringle Space Yoga Studio. And, um, you know, that say, Loka Samasta Suki no Bhavan too, which is my favorite yoga mantra. And what it means is may all beings everywhere be happy and free. May the thoughts, words, and actions of my own life contribute in some way to that happiness and to that freedom for all, right? So all, and then there's usually an image of a pig. And so you'll see lots of people running around with these. And to me, it's a way of spreading the message of really, it's like all beings deserve freedom and happiness. Mm. And then the other thing really is a portion of everything I do benefits an animal sanctuary. Mm. Mainly it's farm sanctuary, but Mm -hmm. everything from my perfume to books to tea, I mean, everything. Um, I really do all I can to support their work. Oh, that's so wonderful. And the last time I saw you was at the Farm Sanctuary Benefit here in New York um, not long ago. So I want to ask you about that beautiful yogic prayer. I use it to close my Main Street Vegan book. And I've loved it from the first time I ever heard it. And yet I hear it so often from yoga teachers who will then go out and have, you know, have a salad with a piece of baked chicken on it. What do you do with that? How do you keep from being judgmental? 
That's a great question. And I tell you because Really, a lot of people who buy these shirts, even that I used to have the shirts around the time that you came and spoke at the Pig Sanctuary event that I hosted. It was their anniversary one, the 20-year. You know, and so I had these I Heart Pig shirts, and people were buying them left and right and wearing them. And I knew yet that they were meat eaters. And so it's this interesting juxtaposition, right? But to me, I like to think that ideally this is helping to open their eyes, You know, and for some people, it may be like they love pigs. They're not quite putting it together that it's bacon. They're not quite sorting that out. They know it, but they're not fully aware. But they will become. And I like to think of all these different things as planting seeds. And I will tell you, yes, to me, it is disturbing that one would say that prayer and not think that all beings include farmed animals and sea animals, et cetera, et cetera. However, you know, I also like to think that if... As we become more aware as human beings and also more educated, you know, meaning that we're seeing what's happening, like I'll never get the images of meet your meat out of my head. Like I just can't. And, you know, I think once you become more aware of this, there's really no way you can't make changes. And so I like to think that if it starts with an I Heart Pigs t-shirt, I am all for planting that seed. Well, and, and I think it's a wonderful kind of activism. Now, I love my I Heart Pigs t-shirt. Yay! The fabric, <laughs> it's it's such a lovely, lightweight fabric. And it just looks, yes. you know, so many of the t-shirts, they say nice things, but they're not very flattering. <laughs> and so right. I wear this one a lot. And I can't remember where I was, but this was in the last two, three months. And it was one of those things where I'm in this big crowd and, and somebody with authority is supposed to pick you out and call, you know, it's like a DMV or something, but it wasn't that because I don't drive, but it was some kind of deal like that. And, and I hear the guy saying, I love pigs. I love li- pigs, lady. You're up. And it was like, this is so cool. All those people waiting around for their bureaucratic thing to happen. And they got to hear twice, I love pigs. So, thank you. Are you here, Kimberly? Okay. So, okay. So, we're having a little bit of a uh, technical snafu. But that's okay, because you and I are still here. And I can give you some of um, Kimberly's websites, at cetera. Oh, she's delightful. And you've got to see her. Look her up online. Actually, both of these women. Oh, they're so beautiful. You know, we're all given gifts. And some of us get lots of smarts. And some people are really rich. And some people get born in Santa Barbara. You know, we've all got stuff. And I have to say, both of these women are just so beautiful. But what's so cool is they are beautiful inside and out. And I just admire them to pieces. So you can find Kimberly at KimberlyWilson.com, and there's no E in that, in the L-Y, it's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y, Wilson.com. And then you can find her on Facebook uh, and Instagram at Tranquility Du Jour, D-U-J-O-U-R, Tranquility of the Day. And she can give you a day's worth, a day at a time, and it's really quite stunning. So is uh, Tiffany back? Is uh, Kimberly back? 
Okay, well, then I'm just going to keep telling you how cool she is until we get the Skype fixed and have her back again. Uh, on Twitter, she is Kimberly Wilson. And in all honesty, it's just so much fun to follow somebody who has it going on in so many ways. Now, I think a lot of times when we're vegan, people start thinking, oh, yeah, you're vegan. <laughs> You know, like, like that's all we do, that we're just sitting around all the time watching documentaries about animal abuse and then going into the kitchen and, and cooking everything that, you know, a lot of people would think isn't delicious. You know, not so, not so, not so. We are into delicious and healthy and delightful and kind, and it's all good. And then when I meet somebody like Kimberly Wilson and look at the hats she wears, therapist, writer, yoga studio owner, designer, yoga teacher. You know, that's a lot of being out there in the world, which um, certainly we all can be. Now, I'm looking at my engineer, and he is saying thumbs up, which I think means Kimberly's back. I'm back. I'm so sorry. Connection lost, as you were well, talking about a beautiful thing about your T-shirt. So, yeah, apologies. Yeah, well, well, you can either listen to the show, or I'll just <laughs> tell you that this this guy in the bureaucratic mess was was finally my turn to be called up, and he goes, "I love pigs. I love pigs, lady, up here." So, that was good. You're oh, like, that's me. <laughs> that that is me. So, let's talk about tranquility. And how interesting that we're talking about it right now in a moment when technology intervened and my tranquility was less tranquil than it was the moment before that intervention. So tell us about that. What What is it for you? <laughs> right. God bless, right? The mm-hmm. moments like that. You're like, I can be tranquil when I'm on retreat or when I'm having a good meditation or for you in aerial yoga. But right, whenever a call drops because the internet goes down, it's hard to maintain that tranquility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind for me with that is, um, you know, in mindfulness, it's this whole idea of learning to respond versus react, which is so much easier easier said than done. But for me, like I have a few tips that I'd love to share with listeners because definitely it is a work in progress, I think for all of us. But one of the things that really helps is creating a sense of space in our schedule, whether it's so that we're not running from thing to thing, there's like at least a bit of a buffer, right? Because technology doesn't always work. You know, people don't always arrive on time. Planes don't always take off when they're supposed to. So having that sort of like breathing space, I think, is so important in our crazy busy schedules. The other thing is breath. You know, breath is something that is at our mercy all the time until we're dead, right? So learning how to use your breath, I think, is such an important piece. And one of my favorite breaths that I love to teach is the three-part yogic breath. So it's in through the nose, filling belly ribs and chest, releasing chest, ribs, and belly. Because you'll notice when we get stressed, like what happens? We breathe into our chest, our face gets flushed, our heart starts racing. So using these deep breaths can really be helpful to find tranquility when things aren't quite going as planned, which is quite often, right? That things are a little out of sorts. Those are beautiful. And if it's okay with you, I will put them in the show notes so that people can Please. get them audibly and visually. that That's lovely. Thank you. 
so how do you encourage people to do this? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years that I think is really important is making time for what's important to you. Say for over the holidays, I drug poor Tim, my boyfriend, to like three Thanksgiving for the turkeys. You know, it's like going to the events where like-minded, like-hearted people will be, I think is really, really important. That might be your yoga studio, might be your synagogue. It may be the pig sanctuary. Um, and I think to one of the pieces that's really important is making time early in the day for what it is that you're passionate about. Now, you may not be able to dash off to a pig sanctuary first thing in the day, but maybe you want to start writing. So setting aside 5, 10, 15 minutes for yourself to do things that refill your well. Because what happens is we keep going through the end of the day. We've got obligations, things we need to do for others, and then we're tired. So if we can start our day with refilling our well, I think it sets us up for success on finding more tranquility, ideally creativity, and um, maybe even a little simplicity by creating that space in your life. Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. When I was in Sedona, I had a, a reading with a psychic medium and at the end said, well, you know, just what's the kind of general overall advice that my spirit guides, etc., would have for me? And she said, have more fun. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes when we're serious people and when we're involved in a serious cause and all that, it sometimes seems like, oh, well, that shouldn't that shouldn't be very high on the list. But maybe it needs to be really high on the list. Absolutely. I think that's so important. I love that you brought that up because that's actually something that I assign to a lot of my, my clients and my therapy practice, particularly in D.C., you know, in New York. It's like we're go, 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 do, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And it's like, where is the play? Where's the time for adult coloring books? Where's the time for aerial yoga? You know, where's the time for digging in the garden, you know, things that are playful. It's like we've forgotten this as we become quote unquote adults. Mm. Oh, I think you're so right. Now, I did not know with all the many things you do, you're always doing something else. You have a perfume. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so I was in Paris two years ago, and I took a perfume-making class. It's something Ooh. I've always wanted to do. <laughs> I'm sure many people have probably always wanted to create a perfume, and there's so many great perfume-making classes, particularly in France. So I do this one, and it's like me and probably four or five other people, these funny ladies from Texas and then a few uh, people from France. And so we're making these, and... It was uh, such this fun event. So you got to put together three different scents that you got to choose the combo for. And she kind of talked you through different notes and what have you. And then she would make a big one of the top one that you chose. So I pulled this together and the perfume teacher loved it, which was very flattering. And then I was like, I loved it too. I couldn't get enough of it. So when I went back this past summer, I bought the formula from her and I brought back two bottles of the formula. And then we've been at home mixing them into perfume oils and eau de toilettes. And it's just yummy. And the perfume oil, it comes with rose petals, organic rose petals in it. It's just so sweet. And it's very, very Early. It's a very feminine scent. Oh, sweet. Now, where do we get it? You can find it at KimberlyWilson.com. And I okay. should tell you what's in it. It's um, sandalwood, 
Uh Rose, Uh uh, musk, of course not from animals. Right. And um, it's just really this beautiful blend. Gardenia also is in it and jasmine. So it's really, really lovely. Oh, it sounds so nice. And it's called Tranquility Du jour, or what's it it's called? It's called Tranquillité, you know, because I think I'm French. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm very much not French. But it's like Tranquility in French. <laughs> Tranquillité. That's, That's great. No, you're from the French part of Oklahoma. <laughs> Yeah. Right. That, right. Oh, that's that's so cool. So, I mean, you've got so much going on. It's all so exciting. What's next? You know what I just came up with that I'm really excited about is I do retreats quite a bit. You know, so I'm off to Costa Rica next month, Paris in the summer, and Italy in the fall. And I love doing these. But I decided, you know, people who can't quite get away um, deserve a retreat, too. So I've pulled together a virtual retreat from 10 to 4 on Saturday, March 5th. And the whole idea is to give you as much of the retreat experience. I'm going to share a lot of the curriculum that I do in a a week long, but kind of parsed into one day with like a pre-retreat, post-retreat kind of experience. And then we'll do some live calls during it. So it's like how to give somebody the experience without having to book plane tickets or book a babysitter or a pet sitter. Um, So yeah, that's kind of one of the exciting things I just dreamed up and I'm really, really excited about. Oh, that is, so it's not like a webinar. It's not where people are going to be sitting from 10 to 4. You're giving them instructions of what to do and then having calls during the day to check in with people. Exactly. So, you know, some people live like in Switzerland who have signed up and so they probably won't be calling in live. They may, but at the beginning and at the end, we'll have a live kind of virtual chat and uh, via video. But other than that, you're kind of on your own, but it's all slated out as to what to do when. Um, different kind of videos or MP3s to listen to that guide you through yoga, journaling, art journaling, meditation, and then we'll come back at the end to do takeaways, wrap up, all that exciting stuff. And that's how I open and close retreats is with an opening and closing circle. So we'll just do that virtually. Uh, Kimberly, that is absolutely inspired. So that's Saturday, March 5th, perfect time of year too. You know, just when winter has been around so long that we're really tired of it. Right, right. So 10 10 to 4, I I presume that's Eastern U.S. time. It is Eastern U.S. time, And where do we go to KimberlyWilson.com to find out the rest? Yes, absolutely. And, um, yeah, and it's KimberlyWilson.com slash virtual retreat. But I'm happy to send you the link. And, yeah, I think it'll be really fun. Oh, I think so, too. I'm so excited. I'm going to see if I've got something, you know, if I'm on the road that day because I just might – might join you on that. A friend of mine, a lovely woman in Kansas City, her name is Deborah Schaus. She's an expert on Alzheimer's and, and caregivers and that sort of thing. People could actually look up her work. But every year on March 4th, she says, this is a holiday that people just ignore. This is the day when we are called to March 4th into what's coming next. So how it. wonderful to follow March 4th with a tranquility retreat with Kimberly Wilson on March 5th. I'm loving it. Thanks. I love that idea, too, the March 4th. That's very clever. Yeah. Well, you know, you can throw it in when you have your 
opening call. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I love. We share and share like because we just want the world to be better and people to be cheerier. Kimberly, you know, I have said this to your face, and I'm going to say it now on the radio, that even though you're younger than me, I often think when I grow up, I want to be Kimberly Wilson. <laughs> That's a lot. So... <laughs> Bless you. Thank you for all you do for the pigs and all you do for the people and all the beauty that you put into the world. Listeners, I'll be posting all kinds of stuff about both Kimberly Wilson and Isosa E on the show notes. If you go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on podcasts and you'll see the little thing that says show notes and you can go there and get everybody's URLs and directions and information and all that so you can follow up with these amazing women. Kimberly, thank you so very much. Jeff and Unity Online Radio, thank you so very much. And to all my wonderful Back for 2016 listeners, God bless you and just keep on eating those veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.